I want to focus on the end of the matter from the beginning so that we know what we're working toward before we fully deconstruct the whole issue. What God intends to do is to create His image and likeness in this world. The whole purpose of creation was to establish and sustain this result. So when creation is finished, when the purpose for which God created the heavens and the earth is complete, that which will remain is a man in the image and likeness of God. So every event, including the present distress uh, that's come upon the earth and the progression of distresses that will come following this, they're all directly or indirectly intended to aid in the production of this final result, a man in the image and likeness of God. We have a glimpse of such a man in the prophetic scriptures and I want to begin uh, by reading that account of that man. Now needless to say, uh, this is a man uh, who Whose, whose presence in prophetic scripture is meant to be a symbolic uh, presentation of the final result. So it's not going to be an actual man, uh, but a picture, an image as it were, uh, of, of that man for the consumption of those who are being formed and shaped in this way. So once we see the image of this man, the picture will remain in our minds, but the significance of it and how it is achieved are meant to, to, uh, uh, to be the focus of our inquiry. So let's start with that. Daniel writes in the book of Daniel, the 10th chapter, and I've introduced this before, but I want to focus on it exclusively during this session and then we'll unpack uh, what that man means, what, what, is the, what is the purpose of the symbol and how we are to attain to it. So Daniel writes, in the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, uh, a message was revealed to Daniel whose name was called Belteshazzar. Nebuchadnezzar had given him that name after he had been in the lion's den. The message was true, but the appointed time was long, and he understood the message and had understanding of the vision. In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning three full weeks. In other words, he was undistracted in his uh, position before God for three whole weeks. I ate no pleasant food, no meat or wine came into my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all 
till the three whole weeks were fulfilled. Now on the 24th day of the first month, 24 is significant, it's the number associated with the government of God in heaven and on earth. 12 is the number of government, but when we see 24, like as in 24 elders before the throne, as in Revelation chapters 4 and 5, then it references the duality of the realms, heaven and earth, because the kingdom of heaven uh, exists on the earth, exists presently on the earth, but it also is seated in the full authority uh, that is described as the throne of God. So on the 24th day of the first month, in the third year, of Cyrus's reign. So right out of the gate, so to speak, as the year began, Daniel had this vision. As I was by the side of the great river, the Tigris, you know the, the, these two great rivers in Iraq, Tigris and Euphrates, I lifted my eyes and looked and behold a certain man, a certain man, Clothed, I'll read it through first and then I want to come back and comment on aspects of this man. So he said, a certain man clothed in linen whose waist was girded with gold of Ufaz. His body was like beryl, his face like the appearance of lightning, his eyes like torches of fire, his arms and feet like burnished bronze in color, and the sound of his voice like the voice of a multitude. And I, Daniel, alone saw the vision, for the men who were with me did not see the vision. But a great terror fell so that they fled to hide themselves. That ought to have this reminder of how the kings of the earth fled into caves, holes in the rocks, speaking uh, to the rocks to fall on them and to hide them from the one who sits on the throne. But uh, again, let me finish. So they fled to hide themselves. Therefore I was left alone when I saw this great vision, and no strength remained in me, for my vigor was turned to frailty in me, and I retained no strength. Yet I heard the sound of his words, and while I heard the sound of his words, I was in a deep sleep on my face with my face to the ground. Suddenly a hand touched me, which made me tremble on my knees and on the palms of my hands. And he said to me, O Daniel, man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright, for I, for I have now been sent to you. And while he was speaking this word, I stood. Then he said to me, Do not fear, Daniel, for from the first day that I, you set your heart to understand, to humble yourself before God, your words were heard and I have come because of your words. And then he goes into this vision 
of how the prince of Persia withheld him and how Michael, the great prince, uh, came and uh, helped him. And then all through chapter 10, this, this person, the angel, the angel Gabriel is speaking to him. Now, normally we conflate the angel Gabriel who was dispatched the moment Daniel began to pray, was dispatched from the throne of God to bring him this prophetic vision including the 70 prophetic weeks of Daniel regarding, primarily regarding the nation of Israel and their return from Babylonian captivity, etc. We conflate the touch on Daniel that woke him up as it were uh, with, and that touch was by the angel Gabriel, the messenger of God. We conflate that with the man who was standing above the water. They're very different because the angel, there's no description of this man above the water that is like the angel Gabriel. In fact, the angel Gabriel had departed uh, and, and said he was going to depart and upon his departure the prince of Greece would come. Now, go back to this man above the water and we will see certain particulars about him uh, that are stunningly co-relevant to representations of the Lord Jesus Christ such as is found in the book of Revelation, uh, the first chapter. But we'll hold off on on that for a moment because what I'm wanting to show you, let me give you just a, a brief shutter speed look at where I want to go with this. A man in the image and likeness of God in the earth is what the whole earth was established to produce and what heaven was ordained to support and what the kingdom of heaven in all of its entirety representing the compendium of power and rule to support the coming forth of this entity is what it's established for. Everything in creation was ordained and established to produce a man in the image and likeness of God. That's the central purpose for creation. So any, any, any obsession we have or might have with creation itself is misplaced. The purpose of creation is not primarily uh, for our admiration or for our obeisance. We're neither to worship it nor are we to to reverence any aspect of it. Uh, It established for a purpose. Heaven was established for a purpose. So going to heaven ought not be the goal of our lives. Being assembled to this intent of God is spiritual man. Being assembled to Him ought be our 
primary and I would say exclusive obsession. But you see how far we've come in our obsession either with uh, on one side of the picture, the worship of nature. I by no means suggest or wish to suggest the reckless exploitation of nature and the poisoning of the environment and things like that because if we do there are consequences, dire consequences for humanity. But our purpose is not to take care of quote mother nature, it's not our purpose. Mother nature as, as we might call it or as it has been called is, uh, exists for us but not, not the reckless wanton plundering of, of the creation for purposes that satisfy or, or inspired by the soul. So I am not against environmentalists but to, to have to save the environment as our goal is to miss the mark so widely as to be purposeless in creation and to go to heaven for, for, for believers if we exalt going to heaven as the goal we are, we are as radically departed from the truth as environmentalists and people whose obsession with nature dominates their waking moments, we are as, we are as, we are pursuing as pointless uh, an enterprise on the one side with the obsession to going to heaven as the other side is wanting to make the earth a kind of heaven. Both are important but they're not central, they're not central and yet the entire structure of human existence apart from God seeks to preserve nature as the primary focus and the entire structure of human enterprise as it regards religious things seem to focus on going to heaven. Both, both miss the mark because the purpose for which God established creation was to host a man, the coming forward of a man in the image and likeness of God. Which man has purposes beyond the existence of heaven or earth or both? For heaven and earth will pass away, but the man of God, this man in the image and likeness of God, the man of God remains. Now, in this prophetic vision of Daniel, we are shown this man, we are shown this man who is not a present reality in the earth, but a picture, a prophetic picture of that purpose embodied in that man. So as we look at this man who stands above the waters, what do we see? Again, as is true of all prophetic pictures, 
Rarely is it not allegorical. On occasion, prophecy will be specific to a particular time, a particular place, particular manner and so on. But this vision, it was described as, the message was true but the appointed time was long. So it was a vision at a certain point in time but the fulfillment of the reality of it was not in that day. It would be as it were a vision that guided our understanding going forward. But it is for this day, for the times of such things has come upon the earth. And that picture which which God chose to give to Daniel, that picture is meant to, to be burned in our understanding so that we know what God is working toward and we know how He's moving and shepherding and directing us uh, and to what purpose He's doing that and what it will look like when it has arrived. Now, why would I say that and why is that so critically important in this hour? Because you see, if you don't see that, you're going to focus either on trying to save your life as humans will in the midst of a changing upheaval of things and we talked about birth bangs on a pregnant woman and one wave coming upon another, upon another, upon another of trials upon the earth to the end that it'll produce this end result where men's hearts will fail them for fear because they run out of options. I mean look at how this um, pandemic has profoundly shaken the entire structure of the earth, its economy, its social structure, the relationship between nations and an environment of fear like a blanket has fallen upon nations and even powerful leaders have appeared to be stumbling during this time. And this is but a small matter if viewed from God's viewpoint. Now make no mistake, God has begun to shake the earth. He's shaking the heavens and the earth. To what end? To make way for the coming forth of yet another greater iteration of the kingdom of heaven, to to dispose humanity to the belief in the one true and living God and particularly to dispose humanity to view the purposes of God for the creation of mankind, for the creation of the heavens and the earth, to view that with renewed interest. That's God's point of view. Man's point of view is survival and the church's point of view is how we get out of here and go to heaven. And of course that hasn't happened for the rapture theorists and it won't happen because that's not what the scriptures teach. So, but the failure of these doctrines has left the people dreadfully unprepared for these times. And this is not the first time I'm saying this. 
I said this when I was doing a broadcast many years ago, a decade or more ago, on uh, uh, a, a, a network uh, that uh, in, in Texas that broadcast these things, and the record of my sayings in these matters is a matter of uh, what's already on my website and the internet. But again, I uh, no intent to, to self-congratulate here, merely repeating a message whose time now has come, the sound of which, which message cannot be denied. So what did Daniel see on the symbolic 24th day of the first month of the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia? He said, I lifted my eyes and looked and behold a certain man clothed in linen. Let's take the few, first few words, a certain man, a particular man. This is a one of a kind, you see. This is not like every man. Um, in, in the book, in the New Testament, uh, a similar phrase is used by Jesus when he was telling a parable uh, and he was speaking of how a certain man, and in the Greek it's te anthropos, a particular man, was on a journey from heaven to earth. A certain man was on a journey from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves. And of course, the unpacking of that reveals Adam as that certain man in creation who finally is taken uh, on, on the donkey to an inn by the Lord Jesus Christ, placed in the custody of those who represent Christ in the earth to be cared for. But that's the story of that certain man. And in that sense, all of that category of man is involved in that one man. So all the descendants of Adam are involved in the condition described in the certain man who went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. But this, now we have the expression again, a certain man. Now this man is standing above the waters. He's standing over the Tigris River. So this is not an ordinary man. This is a man who can stand above water. This is a man not of the earth, but whose dominance of the earth is evidenced in his rule over the elements. He is that man between heaven and earth, between the water uh, as the surface and above the water, a picture of heaven and earth. But he's also a man standing over the Word, because the water in Scripture speaks of the Word, washing by water through the Word. And in that sense, like Jesus at the baptism of John, the Holy Spirit descended on Jesus in the form of a dove when He had come up out of the water. 
virtually every picture you've ever seen of Jesus being baptized by John, every painting I mean, shows them in the water. But the record is very specific. It was after he had come up out of the water. What is the point of that? Like this man standing above the water. Well, the water representing the Word indicates that Jesus did not come up accidentally to be baptized by John. He arose out of the promise of God written in the Word, a promise that predated the creation itself. For the Lamb was slain from the foundations of the world and God entered into agreement with Himself before the foundations of the world to give to mankind a Redeemer. So when He came up out of the water, the substantial order of His ascent was that He came up because of promise. In the same way, this man above the water, the archetype, the man in the image and likeness of God, and I know I'm going ahead in a conclusory fashion to speak of him as the man in the image and likeness of God, but that's what I intend to unpack for you. He comes up out of the Word, he's above the Word. So that is that certain man. This is the man who speaks, with the, whose voice sounds like a multitude many voices. Clearly this is a reference to the voice of God, the sound of many waters. Because in the entire intent of God, His plan was to become incarnate in that selection of humans out of the race of Adam in whom His Spirit would dwell. And so, His voice being the sound of many waters is a reference to the corporate man, the man whose head is Christ, whose body is comprised of humans. I want to speak now, I I want to move into that area in the next broadcast or in the next program. So please stay uh, and continue the study because this is what was prophesied to to Daniel in the midst of prophecies regarding the end of the age. But this one is set aside from the others as being not what would happen shortly, but quote, but the appointed time was long and we are in that appointed time. What is the significance of this? It means that it was what God always intended. These times were always intended by God. So they've neither caught Him by surprise, nor is He fumbling to try to figure out what to do. God is not a politician who is hoping to stay abreast with present events. No, God knows the end from the beginning and has ordained both. And you who are part of this corporate man might rest in the comfort and peace of knowing that God's intent toward you was foreordained. 
We'll continue this study.